Welcome to the CEC Report. It's the 20th of September. I'm Robert Bowick, and I'm joined today by CEC Leader Craig Isherwood. Welcome, Craig. Yeah, thanks, Robbie. Good to be back. Good to have you back for a week of good news. Yep. So, the first item, breakthrough in cash ban fight. Opposition MPs act on the public outcry. And second, has the next big global derivatives meltdown just started? So, Craig, let's get straight into it. The yep. big news, a, a big breakthrough in the cash ban fight. The opposition MPs have acted on the public outcry. So today's Friday. Yesterday, Thursday, was the last sitting day of the September session of the federal parliament. And first thing in the morning, the, the assistant treasurer, Michael Sooker, steps up in the House of Representatives and introduces the cash ban bill, which you've got a copy of here. Now, that's the bad news. The bill is now introduced. And more bad news, it is worse than the exposure draft. Now, the exposure draft, remember, was released by Treasury at the end of July, late on a Friday evening, um, you know, minimised scrutiny. That didn't happen. We, it was scrutinised, mm-hmm. all right. Remember then there was a big hole in it. Yeah. There's a whole section missing. But 4,000-plus submissions to Treasury gave them what for? That was, a, that was a section two, that part two that was missing, right? Part two was Which missing. Which all the offences. Looks like, yeah, part two, all the offences. Well, and, and we'll come back to that, strict liability offences, yeah. right, which, which is quite um, frightening. Um, but Treasury's now gone to ground, Craig. They, are, they haven't published or disclosed any of the submissions. They're refusing to. And so instead of having a proper consultation process where Treasury announced the results of the consultation, which were you know, a massive outcry from the public. Yeah, 4,000 submissions. And what was their reason? Oh, some of those submissions were defamatory. Abusive. I mean, abusive, <laughs> yeah, and some defamatory, but I mean, well, when what you, do you expect? Yeah, when you keep systematically ripping people's rights away, yeah. they're going to get angry. And so they right? should. Absolutely, so they should. Paul, this is not a, you know, um, uh, uh, this is not something without consequences, no. right? And politicians and, and, and bureaucrats have to understand that. And they got that message. But, 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 but Treasury's extra- behaviour has been extraordinary. Go to ground, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you haven't had a proper consultation, and then Sucker jumps, jumps up and introduces the bill. Why we say it's worse is the the law itself. Let me explain this really clearly. The law itself isn't the bill. What the Craig just held up this does one thing. It's an absolute ban on all cash transactions, all cash movements over ten thousand dollars. An absolute ban, everything, including depositing, withdrawing money in the banks, including. This is how ridiculous it gets. The, the guys at Note Printing Australia up north of us in Craigieburn here who get um, forklifts and put pallets of cash on trucks are in breach of this law. And we ne- the reason we know they are is because they have to be exempted by the special ministerial regulation. It bans everything. The, the law bans everything. And it's a strict liability offence, which means you don't have an excuse for breaking it. It can be accidental. Bang. You go to jail for two years. That's what this. Now, I'll tell you why it is that like that, Craig. The the the, the um, Michael Andrew, the um, uh, the Black Economy Task Force chairman, the late who, who's now passed away. Uh, he said that we need an efficient way, so that you don't hold hold people up in the court. You don't hold it up in the courts. Mm-hmm. We need to be able to punish people quickly and forcefully to set an example. Because what happens with a law like this? It is actually quite hard to enforce. What are they going to do? Have, have um, cameras everywhere, etc. Well, don't, don't rule that out, but <laughs> to, to, to keep an eye on people. 
So, what, so the way they enforce it, they've got to make examples of people, right? And it's got to be strict liability and everyone gets scared. Oh, I'm not going to use cash. That's the way you enforce this kind of law. It's one of the reasons we use... That's pure fascism. It right? is fascism. That's, yeah. that's why we use that word, yeah. right? It's, fascism is, this, is, this, is the state using its power to benefit corporations, but in a really totalitarian way. This is a way. state that's benefiting corporations, as you said. And it, look, this is a parliament of the people, so-called, yep. that's doing this, right? Yep. And unfortunately, a lot of the members of parliament have no idea what the actual truth of the matter is, and they've been sold a lie that somehow this has to do with the black economy. But this, look, as, as we've published in just this week's alert service, you know, we've proven and shown that the black economy in Australia is actually falling, not rising. And we need to, and that, these are the points we need to ram home really hard. But let me just let me just make the diff, um, point out the difference between the bill. And the regulation, because when, when we say that this bans everything, the government's going to say, no, 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 you and I, Craig, we can, we can exchange a second-hand car for more than $10,000 in cash. That's, that's exempt. The guy loading the pallets of cash at No Printing Australia, he's exempt. The armor guard guys, they're exempt. Withdrawing and depositing money in the bank, that's exempt. And here it is. It is all exempt. But it's exempt in a separate ministerial regulation that the minister can change on a whim. Mm-hmm. That bit, the law has to be changed through an amendment and another parliamentary vote, not the regulations. And KMPG, KPMG, KPMG has already made it clear they want that limit to be not ten thousand dollars, but two thousand exactly. dollars. Exactly, like this, it is in Europe. So this is the this is the um, the thin edge of the wedge, the wedge, as they say, right? And they we, we that's why we you, you've got to fight it here. Don't wait until it gets it gets too bad. So. That's the bad news. The good news is, after he did this, um, uh, well, knowing he was going to do it, what happens is they have a, a committee meeting of the whips to discuss all the legislation, to discuss what should go to committees for inquiry. Mm-hmm. And the government agreed this bill should go to a committee, but they wanted a token inquiry, this, the type we've become used to from them. Right? Mm-hmm. I call it the Jane Hume special, <laughs> right? A three-week, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, totally token thing, rigged outcome, and just, just carry on. Because they wanted to stick to their schedule of this cash ban coming into effect by the 1st of January. That's the government's intention, right? What happened next to me is extraordinary. Because this shows, this, what I'm about to tell you is a testament to you, the viewer, the CEC, all the people that have been working with us, all that have been making an issue like this. John Adams, Martin North, Wilson Sy. Um, you know, I'll even include the crypto community. A lot of people have, you know, and I'll talk about them a bit more in a minute. You know, everyone who responded, all the 4,000 submissions, all the people who made phone calls, what happened next is entirely due to you because the Labor Party took the lead among the opposition parties. It made sure they were all in agreement, that is One Nation, the Greens and the Centre Alliance, and the Labor Party said to the government, no, we want an extended inquiry that goes really deeply into what this is about. And the government refused. No way. That was the night before. Mm-hmm. Sucker then goes and introduces the bill. But in the meantime, Labor had lined up its ducks, got the, got the other parties to agree. And when in the Senate they did the normal procedure where they introduced, where the, um, the government says these are the bills going to go to committee, Labor's spokesman, Katie Gallagher, hopped up and amended that to say to, she, she singled out this bill and another one, we want an extended inquiry. And that, they had to vote on that amendment. The government didn't say a word because it knew it didn't have the numbers, mm-hmm. right? And that is now the case. We now have an extended inquiry 
into this bill where um, the, the, delivery, the, the due date of the inquiry is the 7th of February. Yeah. That means the government cannot stick to its schedule of starting this, bash, this ban on the 1st of January, right? Now, this is Labor doing the right thing, and I have to emphasise it because too often lately we haven't seen Labor doing the right thing. Every now and then it does. It's, it's because Labor supported the Royal Commission that we've got a Royal Commission into the banks. But then, unfortunately, during the election, they did nothing to prosecute the banks and they just let it go through to the keeper, right? Mm -hmm. Labor, this time, though, has responded to the public outcry and done the right thing, and they should be acknowledged for doing that to hopefully encourage them to do it more. So now we have a proper inquiry, and this is an important breakthrough, and that's entirely due to the efforts of the viewers, right? And that's, that, that's the point I can't emphasise um, enough. Now, let's have a break, because when we come back, we're going to go through the details of the inquiry and what people can do. Pay attention. Welcome back to the CEC Report, where we're discussing breakthrough in cash ban fight, opposition MPs act on public outcry. And as I said, Craig, the big news, the good news is we have an extended inquiry into the cash ban bill. It will not start, the bill cannot pass for the government to keep its schedule of 1st of January, yeah, right? That's good. And, and, and that inquiry can bring out all kinds of stuff, and I'll get you to comment a bit more on that in a minute. Before we do that, I want to make one point I was, I was going to say before. Um, I told the story before the break about how the government didn't agree the night before, on Wednesday night, to have an extended inquiry. By Thursday lunchtime, when Labor moved for the extended inquiry, the government didn't oppose it because it knew it didn't have the numbers. I wanted to tell you a story about what the sort of lengths the government can go to to try and get the numbers, right? Mm -hmm. And this comes from this great book by Adele Ferguson, Banking Bad, her new book on what led up to the Royal Commission and the Royal Commission. Five years ago, 2014, um, the Liberals had been in power for less than a year or about a year. They wanted to wind back a change that Labor had made under Kevin Rudd and Julia Gillard to financial advice laws. Because of the financial advice scandal, Labor had, 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 had legislated what they called FOFA about financial advice. And they inserted in there that financial advice had to be in the best interest of the customer. It's a pretty, it's pretty, you would think it's, it should be assumed, right? But they had to put it in there. Mm -hmm. And the Liberals wanted to take it out. Now, they had, the Liberals thought they had the numbers in the Senate to do that because they had uh, Clive Palmer and his group. But because of things like the managed investment schemes with um, Great Southern and, and Timbercorp, etc., which affected Tasmanians, Jackie Lambie split off mm. and joined the, the, um, the effort to stop the Liberals from making this change. And Ricky Muir, down in Gippsland here, split off. And if you know, if you saw the, <laughs> I have to say, you know, no offence to Ricky, but you know, he, was, he was as green as grass in Parliament. Right, he, he, he really seemed like a fish out of water. He, he got very good by the end, but this was tough on him. He came under enormous pressure. And the night, Adele tells the story, the night before the, um, the vote was due, uh, Labor and the crossbenchers were trying to shore up the numbers. And Nick Xenophon and Sam Dastiari took Ricky Muir out for drinks, or effectively to get him drunk, to keep him distracted, because they knew the government would put him under enormous pressure. And they did. His phone wouldn't stop ringing all night they were out drinking. Um, uh, one of them, uh, Nick, Nick Xenophon or Sam Dastiari, uh, they made sure Ricky didn't answer his phone and they had a look and they saw 30 missed calls from one person, Matthias Corman. 30! 30 missed calls from the, from the Finance Minister of Australia to pressure this brand new senator 
into, into agreeing with something that would give carte blanche back to the banks. That's how desperate this kind of government can be to shore up its numbers to do the, the bidding for the bank. That's, that's a, a, a very important story to understand of what we're up against here. So who knows what they did overnight, but they didn't get the numbers in this case, right? Very important breakthrough. Okay, so we've now got a chance to have a proper inquiry, and it's up to you, the viewer, to, to, to um, take the lead again. So here's what we're asking people to do. Make a submission. We'll put below, on, 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 if you're watching on channel 31 or channel 44, call our office to get the details. Um, uh, we'll put the link below though. There's a parliamentary website, people can make a submission, right? Say your piece, say what you think about this law. That, that's the most important thing in a submission. But there's a whole bunch of other points you can make that, we've, that you've been listening to from us, such as this is about your civil rights, this is not about the black economy, as, as Craig just um, mentioned. Uh, which we've done a lot of good work on. Um, and this has a, this definitely has an ult the, the real black economy is this KPMG crowd, right? And this definitely has an ulterior motive so that it locks people in banks and you cannot escape negative interest rates. You cannot escape bail-in, right? These are, these are the important points to make. But mostly say the things that make a, dif a difference to you. And if you're someone who does use cash legitimately, because, you know, I don't, use much, I, I don't use much cash. To me, that's not the point. One no. day I might want to, yeah. right? And this is my right. But if you're, a lot of people do, and they're the kind of people that get ignored by a law like this. Tell why you use cash legitimately, right? You've got to educate these people in this community about how they're going to inconvenience you and just tell the obvious stuff. Even the, the, the horror stories coming out about this cashless welfare card, right, that have run mm -hmm. trials on it. Because quite often, they'll go to use the card and it won't work. Yeah. And then they're left stranded, right? Modern technology is not foolproof, mm -hmm. right? This sort of thing. So you've got to tell those kind of stories and make a, a, a powerful submission. Um, uh, but you've got till you take, you know, prioritise doing it, but you've got till the, the um, uh, 15th of November to do that. You can make a good, powerful submission. Um, okay, then we've got a couple of other ideas. We want people to, um, as well as make a submission, We've come up with the idea of sending, of having delegations of people go to members of parliament's office, because uh, you know that might help you if you have a, if you're not experienced at this, and other people in your area are willing to go with you. That'll also make a big impression on the member of parliament, right? So if you want to be part of a delegation to your members of parliament and your senator, call the CEC. We're going to coordinate this. Call the CEC and I, give us your electorate, right? And we will put you in touch with other people in your electorate willing to do the same, and then. Over the next period, right, you can find a time where you can go to their office and you can say, we want to, we're here to protest the cash ban, right? That will, be, that will have a huge impact. So that's, a, that's something we're asking people to do. Also, we have two petitions, and I'll get Craig to comment on the, on the second one in a minute. Um, the first petition is this change.org one on the cash ban. Let's make that even bigger. Right, we'll put the link below. We've got, we're closing in on 20,000 signatures, but in the next few months, we can get that into, you can get tens and tens of thousands more. We need to really spread the word. And that means share it a lot on Facebook, on Twitter, on email, whatever you do, just share, share, share repeatedly. Right? Get that out there, and that'll help. Every time someone signs that, it goes to the, to the um, uh, emails are sent to members of parliament, right? It keeps that kind of pressure on. The other one, though, is bail-in, right? And Craig, just quickly, Explain the importance of this bail-in petition. Well, Robbie, we're on the, uh, the front line fighting this cash ban, right? But the solution is very different than just stopping a piece of legislation. Yep. There's, there's a number of different things. First of all, we've got Glass-Steagall. We've got a bill. It's been introduced twice into the Parliament. It's going to get reintroduced shortly. 
that actually stops the rot. It separates out the necessary banking system, makes it highly regulated and gets rid of all the speculative stuff that these bankers are trying to hang on to, right? So they're absolutely terrified about this Glass-Steagall bill. So that's why we've got to get people to support this bill. That's part of the solution. Now, the other part of the solution... Because you've got to stop these other things like cash spend. So you force the government to actually reform the banks, right? That, in a sense, getting people's attention to this problem. But look, the other bigger thing, if you want to to deal with this problem outright, the solution here is what we've published legislation on, and that's a national bank. A government-owned bank that is run in the interest of the people. Now, this is what the original Commonwealth Bank did when it was first set up by King O'Malley, it had the power and our legislation gives this bank the power to control the private banks in the interest of the people. Now, this is a major shift from the sort of banking uh, culture that we have today, the political culture we have today, but that's the solution. Now, I know there's a number of Labor Party people that understand the old Labor heritage. They support the idea of a Commonwealth Bank or of of a national bank. That's the solution. If you have a bank for the people, Robbie, well, people are going to put their money into that bank because what the hell are they going to do? These, these private banks can't compete. And what the Commonwealth Bank used to do was absolutely guarantee deposits, which absolutely. not even the government does. And so, look, that's the solution. And, you know, we, we've written the legislation. We've got this uh, pamphlet here that people can call in if people want a copy of it. It goes through all the details that people need to know about our history in, cre- in creating credit, the history of the Commonwealth Bank. It goes through the international, uh, you know, uh, institutions, the Bank of International Settlements, and it lays out for people why our national bank is totally crucial. All right. Now, so Craig, that was a very important intervention just then, but I asked you about the bail-in petition. Let me just say that quickly. The bail-in petition is the, is the petition to Parliament to stop them from, uh, to, to amend this bail-in law they passed so they can steal your deposits, which is the opposite of Glass-Steagall. It's the opposite of national banking. It's, again, sacrificing you to the private banks, right? So all these things are all interconnected. It's important to fight them on all these fronts, and we have a good opportunity to do it now. And one last thing before we go to a break. We're going to put on the link below as well. Um, Melissa Harrison in Western Australia has put up an excellent website exposing the Black Economy Report, which was where this cash ban recommendation came from. It's, it's a heap of garbage. She's done excellent work going through that. So click on that link and have a look at that before you make your submission. You can use her material in that submission. All right? So anyway, that's it on that. Excellent opportunity we have. Um, pat yourself on the back for the work you've done so far. This kind of organising and activism actually works. And now when we come back, we're going to talk about events in the financial system that make all this far more urgent than you might think. Welcome back to the CEC Report. Finally, has the next big global derivatives meltdown just started? And quickly before I go into that, um, one point I wanted to make that I referenced before that I didn't actually come back to was the question of cryptocurrency. The explanatory memorandum of the cash ban bill, Craig, that was introduced makes the point that right now crypto is exempt from the ban, Mm -hmm. but only because it's not used enough. If it gets used more so that crypto becomes a significant thing, the government will, re- will, will remove the exemption for crypto. That's bad news for crypto, but it also shows you how powerful this exemption process through ministerial regulation is. They can just pull it, right? And if they can do that for crypto, they can do it for withdrawals of money in the banks, they can do it for anything. And that's why you've got to be, you know, this is a, a, a fascist law, we've got to fight it. All right, but why, what's happened? Okay, if you watch the news this week, and the big thing that happened, Craig, was you had a, a mini, well, I won't even say mini, sorry, because... You don't know how big it is. That's the point. 
in the US bank overnight lending market, the repo market, interest rates suddenly on the 17th of September jumped from a little bit over 2% to 10%, wow. right? Now, when that happened, the Fed immediately pumped in $53 billion, the next day $75 billion, and I think they, they pumped in money four times, now over $200 billion. They haven't done this for 10 years, right? And the, when they did it 10 years ago, um, it's because of what was going on, the global financial crisis, right? And, and this is the big thing. So what happened on that night a few weeks, a few days ago? Well, the repo market is overnight lending between banks and it also can also involve the Fed, but it's very stable usually because overnight banks know what they need, mm -hmm. right? If, if banks know what they've got, they're prepared to lend, banks know what they need, what they need to borrow, all right? And it happens all the time. This is highly unusual. And the most likely explanation that people have come up with is that a big player, or maybe one or two, suddenly needed a lot of money. Suddenly. And there wasn't the money mm -hmm. that they needed, right? That's why the interest rate spiked right up. Problem is nobody knows who it was, yep. right? Now, what does this tell us? What does this remind me of? It reminds me of 2007. Um, if you, I'll refer to it, look it up on YouTube, the famous clip of, of, of Jim Cramer in August 3, 2007, having a meltdown on CNBC. Open the discount window. The Fed's got to pump money in. That's what happened. This is the sort of an equivalent event then. And of course, you know, a year after he did that, the whole system melted down, right? Yeah. There was all these, in, in that lead up to 2008 crisis, there were all these landmines going off. Um, the point is now are, the Bank for International Settlements, Craig, is reporting a big increase in global derivatives. And this is significant because since the 2008 crisis, global derivatives have plateaued. Mm -hmm. But suddenly this year they're going up. In Australia, the same is true. Yep. Australian bank derivatives in one quarter went from $38 trillion to $45 trillion. The biggest quarterly jump. We, we, the CEC, are the main organisation monitoring bank derivatives in Australia. We've done it for 20, over 20, 25 years, basically. That's why a Glass-Steagall is a solution, Robert. It gets rid of these things. You have to. Yep. But, that, but we haven't done it. No. Um, and, and so when you see an event like this, you're thinking, oh, is, is this the kind of precursor we need? So just elaborate a bit more on, on how Glass-Steagall would work like well, that. Well, you've got all these merchant bankers, investment bankers, right, that are in, and at the present time, the entire banking system is so uh, in, you know, engorged with these things, these gambling debts, that it's bringing bring the whole system down. Using right? our so deposits. Using our deposits. So the Glass-Steagall would separate off the necessary banking system where people can put their money into those banks. They'll be protected. And all the stuff relating to derivatives from the merchant banking, investment bank, it's just basically pushed aside, written off. Dump, dump. We don't care what happens to it. Basically, you protect the, the, the normal banking system. And we have fought. Now, here's the important point. We have fought for this policy for 10 years in Australia. Yeah. People in the United States have fought for it at the same time, people in England, etc. It's a worldwide movement to bring back this principle of banking, Glass-Steagall. It's been blocked at every turn. In the last two years, in the context of the Royal Commission, they pulled out all stops to block it. Yeah. And while they're blocking that, they're resorting to extreme policies like negative interest rates, like bail-in, and then like the cash ban to make sure those things can work. And that's why we say, you've got to smash this cash ban. We've got to fight this cash ban. We've got to stop bail-in so that they don't have those options. And if they don't have those options, we can force the government to go with real banking reform and we've got all that ready to go. Yep. So that's the fight. Keep fighting. Craig, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Robbie. Thanks to the viewer. Stay tuned for more of the CEC Report next week.